everyone. This is Dr. Mitchell from the Mental Health and Wellness Show. Today, I have the honor of interviewing Linda Feliciano. She is an intuitive healer and awareness coach. She helps self-critical women heal and reconnect with their soul so that they can become the leading character of their story and create the lives they deserve. She combines her gifts for clarity, intuition, and compassion with various modalities to help clients heal unhealthy patterns and gain practical awareness of their soul gifts. Linda is a certified practitioner of Teal Swan's The Completion Process, a certified AR Arch Healing Practitioner, and a certified Soul Realignment Practitioner. She is also the co-author of the Amazon bestseller book, Woke, Aha's Awakenings and Illuminations on the Path to Conscious Living and Enlightenment. And she has also been featured in publications like Boston Voyager, Poets Unlimited, and the Dare to Feel podcast. Her purpose is to live a meaningful, fulfilling, and joyful life in alignment with her soul's gifts and deepest desires, and to help you do the same. With no further ado, let me introduce our lovely guest. Hello. Hi. How are you? I am very good. It's good to chat with you again. So I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering, okay, what is an intuitive healer and awareness coach? Well, an awareness coach is similar to what people, it's now commonly known as a life coach is just that my focus is on helping people gain insights about their lives and their patterns, etc. Now, for those of, of your listeners who are not familiar with what a life coach is, a life coach is just someone that helps and guides you to accomplish whatever goals you want in your life. They help heal certain things. And the intuitive healer part is just an extension of that. I do a lot of spiritual work, so I could be called what some people would consider a spiritual life coach, but but I go a little bit deeper with my clients in trying to heal some of their wounding. So that's why I call myself an intuitive healer. I love it. So you don't do band-aids with your clients. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Correct. All right. <laughs> Give our listeners an example of what a common wound or a problem your clients might have. So one of the things that has become my focus over the last few months, just because I realized how common it is, is the inner critic. Mm. Now, most, <laughs> most people, I think, I think you're familiar with that given your response. <laughs> Yeah, most people um, live their lives, you know, with that. The inner critic is that little voice in your head that is constantly, you know, criticizing you, judging you, reminding you of past mistakes. And it can become a really painful and limiting force in your life. So I have noticed from my own experience of my own journey of healing, as well as the clients that I've been working on, that this is something that most women of my generation or our generation have and is actually a very limiting experience for them. You know, it actually a lot of times interferes with the things they want to do in their lives, the things they want to accomplish. So that is one of the things that I'm focusing most of my energy on right now, just helping my clients heal their inner critic. So the inner critic, for those of you listening, is that voice that really just tears you down, that robs your confidence, your self-esteem, your value, right? Yeah. And where do you find most people's inner critic? Where does it stem from? What part of their life if you go to do a timeline? So it's different for different 
clients, but there are some common trends. And one of the most common trend that I found is it has a lot to do with childhood wounding. And it's because, you know, we all have wounds. I think a very trendy word nowadays in, you know, healing and self-development circles is trauma. And usually when people hear the word trauma, they're like, oh my God, I don't have any trauma because that sounds so grandiose. And, and trauma really is any wounding that you have at any point in your life where you didn't get to a resolution, where you don't have a result. And I prefer to use the term wounding because it's something that most people can relate to. It has a lot to do with childhood wounds. And that is the word that most people use to refer to that as trauma. I try to stay away from that word because people hear it and they immediately freak out. They're like, oh, I don't have any trauma. I yes. had a perfect childhood. And what happens is that trauma really is any wound that we have that did not have any resolution. And we internalize that experience, that painful experience. And that can create a lot of defense and coping strategies that then give rise to core beliefs, etc. I'm not sure if all your listeners are familiar with the subconscious process of the mind, but that's something that I work with a lot. In any case, that's really where a lot of this inner critic comes from. It's just the coping strategies that we create oftentimes in our childhood to deal with the circumstances and the environment around. Yes. And you know, we see this inner critic, this these beliefs and identity that are we programmed at an early age through life experience a repeat in adulthood. Yeah. Like we the yeah. same coping mechanisms we had as a child, the same way the programming, the thoughts we had of ourselves, that inner critic, oh you're no good, you're a waste of time, whatever you may have heard, you're not smart enough, tall enough. The truth is we carry that as we get older. And in your work, I'm sure you have to really go back in time and find out where initially was this imprinted in this individual? Where did they start having these beliefs about themselves. Exactly. And to your point, you know, when we create those strategies, whether it's in childhood or a little bit later in our lives, we do it as a way to survive, right? As a way to cope with our environment. But it comes a time in our adult life that they interfere with the thing that we want to do. They are no longer serving us. And now they become a roadblock to what we want to accomplish. And that's what I want to help my client heal. Understand that all of those strategies that we're using, all of those patterns were there for a reason, right? They were there to help us at some point but they're no longer helping us. So what's next, right? Where do we go? I love that term. They no longer serve us. So don't feel guilty. They were there for a reason. They were a coping strategy, a way in which you could process what is going on in your world. Exactly. But as okay. we change situations to change, we need to evolve and find new strategies that help our current situation. Exactly. Life is not static. It changes, there's ebbs and flows, and we have to be willing and open to change. Exactly. That's what life is. Life is about change. Is about adapting, is about expanding, is about move. Absolutely. Exactly. So let me ask, so let's pretend I'm a client and I ask you, so how do I heal? Like, what is that process really like? Well, that process is different for each person because it really depends on how deep your wounding is. You know, I have clients that have what most people call, quote unquote, a normal childhood. And your listeners cannot see me, but I'm making air quotes as I speak. Uh, you know, yes. quote unquote, a normal childhood. But then I also have clients that have really severe trauma right? Yes. So it really depends on what those patterns are for you, what that wounding is. But the first step that I tell everybody, whether you're a client of mine or not, is in order to start any journey, whether it's just self-development, whether it's healing, whether it's breaking through patterns, which technically they're all one and the same, but it's awareness. The first step is always where you have to yes. become aware that there's something that is getting in the way of you thriving. We want to move from survival thriving. Yes. And so that's 
the first thing that I would say, aware and aware. Love it. So I'm curious, what drove you to this work? Because this work is pretty niche. I think it's amazing. I definitely incorporate that in my coaching practice and even my own personal life. But what made you go into this path? Well, as most people that do this work now, my own healing, right? My own journey, because I got to a point in my life where all of the things I was doing that worked for me for a period of time were no longer working. And in fact, they were creating a lot of pain, a lot of drama, a lot of difficulty in my life. And those things kept accumulating, right? If you have something in your life that is healing a wound and you don't heal it, it keeps intensifying and growing and branching out into other areas of your life. And it got to a point where my life was just, even though on paper, everything looked great. You know, I had a house and I had a partner and I had, you know, a great job. I was in a lot of pain and I couldn't figure out why. I wasn't happy. I didn't feel fulfilled. I did all the right things, quote unquote, the right thing. Everything you're supposed to do. And I still felt unhappy and unfulfilled. And then a few things happened in my life that were really, really traumatic and painful. And I got to a point where it's like, I need to figure this out. And I started doing my own um, self-development, you know, reading through books and um, watching videos. And then I found a mentor and then I found another mentor. And I'm a big believer that when you make a choice, the universe conspires, you know, for, to make it happen for you. Yes. you know, for those people who, I don't know if you read um, The Alchemist. Yeah, The Secret. It, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's The universe is always trying to push you to the maximum expansion. Yes. So that's how I came to this work through my own wounding and my own search for my own healing. I love it. You know, that's many of us, including myself. I went into the mental health and wellness space because I didn't take care of myself. And then I suddenly had a, aha, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you go through the, right? You go through the process. It can be challenging, but it's rewarding because as I tell people, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Oh, yay. I yeah. So I really <laughs> encourage you, those who are listening, go through the process. Make sure there's nothing that you're, sometimes we, the other coping mechanism we use is repression. Repress thoughts because they're hurtful. It's our body's mechanism of moving past, but there are certain things we do need to uncover and definitely find someone who you trust and it's a safe place because they can evoke emotions, right? Or memories, Absolutely. right? So there's so many different, so there's so much trauma in this world. And, and you know, globally, I would say the majority of people have gone through a collective trauma from the pandemic, which is still around. Like, Absolutely. Every, you know, we were all affected in varying degrees. Some people lost everything, including family members and their lives. Others, maybe not as much, but they live in a world where their mobility is impacted and where they can go, et cetera, et cetera. So I really encourage everyone to really look deep and think, okay, what's bothering me is, do I have this wound that I need to deal with? And, you know, speaking of wound, one wound I really love to talk about is the mother wound. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is actually also my wound. That is my core wound, isn't yes. it? Yes. Related to mother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening, the mother wound is real. And for those of you who've experienced it in varying degrees, this is your moment to just collectively sigh of relief that you are being validated. It is real. Okay. I'm going to break it to you. Some might love this, some might not. Not all mothers are mothers as we would expect it. Okay. The other paradigm is that some believe in is your mother tried your best in what she knew, but what she knew may have been very twisted and unhealthy. Okay? And the third piece is it is not your fault. You were mm -hmm. born to be loved. And that is really 
so important. You know, I definitely love this topic. I've written an art, well, I can remember one for sure about the emotionally withdrawn mother. And it talks about the mother wound. It's not until the mother puts you in an oven, I'm in the kitchen, so I'm saying oven and burns her <laughs> child, which some mothers do, yeah. is that doesn't, doesn't have to be that extreme. It could be the mother who is present physically, but mentally not there. She's checked out for various reasons. Maybe her own health. Maybe she's so exhausted with working three jobs. Maybe because she's in a current relationship with a partner and she puts you on the back burner. There's so many reasons and there's a spectrum, but it is real. It absolutely is. And sometimes even because of their own trauma. Yeah. That's something, a blog that I wrote um, similar to what you described is about that, right? That a lot of us have wounds that come from our childhood, oftentimes because of our caretakers. Yes. And there's a difference between understanding where something comes from and blame. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't want to look at that because they're like, oh, my parents did the best they could. It's like, yes. And you can have those two things can be true at the same time. Correct. They did the best they could, whether it, your mother, biological mother or adoptive mother or foster mother. And they may not have had the tools or may have had their own trauma that yes. they passed on to you. Those two things can coexist and often. Yes. I more often than not, I see it. There's yeah, it rarely ever just comes out of nowhere. Like There's a trail you if you follow the dots and it's real. So every Mother's Day, you know, it's a big deal. Most part of the world and children, adult children are glowing about their mothers, how amazing they are. And for those of you who experienced the wound, probably feel a little pang like, oh, that wasn't my experience. Okay. Know that you're not alone. And those there's nothing wrong with acknowledging those experiences that you had. Some people might tell you, oh, don't talk about your mother that way. No, that is your reality. That is what happens. And you're, you own it. That's no, that is your truth. So please, the inner critic, the mother wound, these are all key topics that we need to talk about. And I really believe that in this society's fast paced world, where often our mother's responsibility are drawn in different corners. Gone are the days where our mothers are primarily stay at home mothers who dote on us 24 seven. Those days are pretty much gone for the large part of the world. Absolutely. They're often single mothers, right? A lot of single mothers. And also, even if we take it a few, you know, decades or even centuries before that, yes. children were being raised in tribes. It wasn't just one person that was taking care yes. of the entire community. And that we don't have that anymore. Yes. It takes a village to raise Absolutely. a child. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that is how it's supposed to be, I think, ideally. Look at the pandemic. Suddenly, you couldn't go visit grandma or auntie. But imagine. And so if you're a single mom and that was your child care, you're stuck in this dilemma. Like, do I go visit them and risk it or not? But imagine if you were living in that communal setting where you had the support, you actually had a break. You could actually have a, could actually rest and put your feet up and someone else is looking after your child and imparting goodness into them. Wouldn't that be ideal if we had functional family systems in place? Absolutely. And it's, and that's the key, right? Because it's helpful to the mother, but it's also helpful to the child because the child's needs are being met always. It yes. doesn't always have to, they don't always have to be met by the mother. They can be met by some unity. So we raise children that are much better, uh, have more skills, more emotional skills, more emotional tools, are more confident, that are more in tune with who they are, all of those things. And it's a cycle, right? So we were talking a minute ago about, you know, our mothers, that mother wound, how our mother comes trauma, that can create a cycle yes. because they, you know, visit those demons upon their child who then if you don't have the tools or the skills to heal it on yourself, you can potentially pass that on to your children and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. So breaking the cycle is so important. It starts with being self 
self-aware and acknowledging that there is a hurt, there is a need and listening. Absolutely. Okay. All right. And then going back to the inner critic, you know, we said there's there's a purpose for it. And, but don't get me wrong, criticism per se, constructive criticism is not necessarily wrong, okay? Because I find we live in a society where most people don't like fat and they put their guard up and they say it's not nice. But we need to have that mirror to see what's going on because unless you're looking in a mirror, you can't see your nose, you can't see your back. Absolutely. You need that it, perspective and people that love you and truly have your best interest at heart. I agree. And I do think that reflection is important, right? Yeah. Having things reflected back to it. I think the difference is, and I like the word you use, I definitely the word that I normally use for constructive criticism is feedback. Yeah. Because I think in our society, criticism has oftentimes a negative connotation. Yes. I don't think it is a negative thing, but it's the connotation that we've given it. So it's the one that most people understand. And I think the differentiation that I make between that and the inner critic is that the inner critic is, the, I think you even said that at the beginning, is that voice that beats you up. Yeah. Right? That tells you you're not good enough. That tells you you don't deserve good things. You only deserve bad things. And sometimes this voice is that I, we internalize from people that raised us. But again, it could also be strategies and coping mechanisms. But that is the differentiation that I would make. I do think that feedback is imperative for our growth because we are we are not the best judges always of ourselves, right? Not just because we have that capacity, but all of us have so much baggage on us, right? We have so many things that are distorted because of our own things, because of our own trauma. That reflection, having someone reflect things back to us and provide us feedback, I agree. I think it is essential for personal growth. Exactly. It is essential. We need that feedback. We need that honesty. We need that vulnerability it not everyone gets a participation sticker trophy like we need it to grow <laughs> I, agree. I grew up in the school of hard knocks there was no trophies in my childhood <laughs> yeah I hear you me too and I think there's something else you said that triggered a thought in me because you said about being nice and one of the differentiations I always make to my clients is between being nice and being kind yes to me, those are two very different things. And we live in a society where we focus a lot on being nice, but to me, niceness is about perception, right? It's, I don't want to be the bad guy, so I'm going to say something nice. Yeah. Whereas kindness is about being honest mm -hmm. with the other person with their best interest at yeah. heart. And to me, there is a huge difference. And I do feel like some words have, like, I feel like words have energy. And yeah. sometimes two things that may seem the same are very different to me. But I wanted to elaborate a little bit on that point because you mentioned it. And I think it's really important that people recognize being being honest with someone, if it comes from a genuine place and you do it with care and with compassion, is being kind. Being yeah. nice. Um, the best example I can tell you is, you know how like, I mean, I don't know if women do this anymore, but when I was younger, yeah. you know, when you hang out with your girlfriends and you're going out, it's like, oh, dude, this jeans make my, look, my butt oh, look big. Oh, doesn't make my butt right? look big? Yeah. And they're like, oh no, girl, it looks no, great. But they're back of their head like, girl, you need to like not do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the nice thing to yeah. do. Me, it's phony. Me, it's not genuine. Exactly. Meanwhile, you're letting your good friend who you care about go out looking like crap. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so I've never been that girl. I'm no, like, I, know, tell I, I tell them the truth. I tell them the truth. 
sense. And if I see a stranger with broccoli in their teeth, I'd be like, hey, there's some broccoli. Gotcha. Right? When I was when I was in Boston, I used to see people on the train and be like, oh, uh, you have this stain in your pants or your zippers down. And my people that know me were like, how could you do that? And I'm like, because otherwise they're going to be walking around with their zipper down. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I don't, you know, I think some people are more, they're more concerned about how they're going to feel responding than that person making a fool of themselves with their zipper down. So tell people, like I said, I have no problem being kind. I'm like, hey, dudes, hanging, flying low. Got it? (laughs) Don't embarrass them, but they know. They're like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know? So, yeah, I I like to know the truth. And I have a husband that likes to put it out. He's Jamaican-American, so there's New York. Yeah, it just says raw. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Caribbean myself, so I know. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, they don't play. Awesome. Let's see. Okay. Okay, my dear. So what practical advice would you give individuals so that they can, I guess, tame the inner critic? Because let's face it, it's going to be there. It's human nature. However, it shouldn't pull you down and control your life. So what would you encourage them to do? So I think the first thing is, as I said earlier, awareness. And awareness and consciousness go hand in hand. They're not exactly the same thing, but they're very similar. And it's, I think you were talking a little bit about it earlier as well. Just asking questions, right? So when your mind is going and you're having like, say, I don't know, whatever, you're going for a promotion work and your inner critic starts going and is saying, oh, you don't deserve that. The other person is better at the job. You can never, you're not going to get it. Why even try? All those crazy things that happen, well, not crazy, but all those things that happen in your mind, right? That the inner critic is saying. The first tip that I would say is just pause, right? Take a couple of deep breaths and start looking. Try to separate yourself and observe that inner critic. And and basically what that is, is just look at the language. And one of the things that I think really helps that has helped me is write it out. All those things that your brain is saying that your inner critic is saying, just write it out on a piece of paper or you can even record it. Record your voice, right? Just let yourself talk it out. Yes. So that you can then look at it and then start asking questions, right? Because a lot of times our mind is racing and we don't take inventory of everything we're thinking. Yes. And then you can start asking questions, right? You can start seeing, is this really true? I don't know if you're familiar with Byron Katie. No, I'm not. The, so she has this process that she calls the work. Uh, she has several books, but one of them is called Loving What Is. Yeah. And in that book, she talks about a process that you can use to start questioning. It's the process of awareness and conscious and start questioning those beliefs and that rhetoric, right? That language that, that those things are going on in your head. Is what I'm saying really true? Yeah. Am I really not deserving? Is it really true? Why do I feel this? right? Yeah. Who would I be without this thought? How is this thought or this belief serving? Yeah. That is the first few steps that you can start doing on your own. I generally advise people who have a more active, if you will, inner critic, right? Yeah. I'm a self-proclaimed recovering neurotic infectionist and all those things. So I actually needed more help. So for people that need more help, you can um, reach out to a life coach or a therapist or anybody that can help you in that process. The first step that you can do on your own is that self-analysis. It's really asking questions. Is this true? What am I getting from believing this? What is this preventing me from doing? Yeah. And that's more at the surface level. I recommend if, and I do think like we were talking about before, the emotional aspect, right? And the wounding aspect is what's going to come next. 
works. And for people who are not trained and that are who are not well versed, I would strongly recommend that they work with a practitioner, be it a, again a therapist, life coach, etc. 100%. I completely agree. The work is the work is rewarding. You, um, yeah. it makes a huge impact. It does. Great. So if our listeners wanted to hear more about you, learn more about you, work with you, how could they reach you? The best way to reach me is through my website. And the name of the website is lunahealingcrystals.com. And I also, if you go to my website on that home page, you will find there is a link where you can download a free guide. And I also have it in video format. That is to help you start taking those practical steps to heal your inner critic. So it's going to give you two or three practical tips that you can start implementing to start that healing process, that healing journey. Because like what we were discussing before is a journey, right? Yes. This is not, we don't do band-aids. No. Uh, So so I think it's important for people to recognize that this is something that is going to take time and it's going to take work. But one of the most important things that I always say to people is as soon as I say the, the word work, people go like, oh my God. And I'm like, you know, it can be hard. It can be painful, but it's not always that way. It can also bring a lot of ease into your yeah. life. It could bring a lot of joy in your life. 100 so, Yeah, no, I love that. You know, work is part of life. We got to put effort in. Like if you don't put your any skin in it, don't expect great results. So, and it's like any other skill or any other training that you do. Like if you go to the gym, the more you do it, the easier it becomes, right? The more you yes. apply it in life, then it becomes almost second nature how to navigate all these things, whether it's the inner critic or any other wounding that you have. The, once you start using and practicing the skills and the tools, you can navigate it a lot more easier because it's second nature. All right. That is awesome. So listeners, if you love this talk, please follow the Mental Health and Wellness Show. Also, if you would like to see her back again and have any questions on the inner critic and just be more mindful and wear DM us because I'm pretty sure we could get her to come back. <laughs> no yeah, pressure, Linda. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure felt. Absolutely. No happy to. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, so that is it. This is Dr. Mitchell and Linda Feliciano till we meet again. Bye.